Now is the time. Jesus is trying to tell them that now is the time to understand. Because once you cross over, it's too late. The chasm that you created, Jesus will fix in place. Hey everyone, Michael popping in here on the beginning of this episode. I want to welcome you back to another episode of Elevate Retake. And today you're in for a special episode. You know, when life gets busy with school or work, it's important to take a break and to pray. And every year we have the opportunity to partner with Southwestern Adventist University for a week of prayer. It's a time of spiritual emphasis for our students and staff. We get together and we listen to amazing sermons, worship with amazing music, and have the opportunity to hear the voice of God from different speakers. We thought it'd be awesome to share these sermons with you. Today on our podcast, chaplain, pastor, speaker, April Snyder. All right, we are in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, starting with verse 19. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me there. Luke chapter 16, starting with verse 19. This is a very, very unusual parable that many people do not preach about, and I'm excited to dive in with you today. Luke chapter 16, starting with verse 19. And it begins like this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Wow, what a picture. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, verse 25, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. That's an important verse. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, this is also an important part, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, this is the rich man talking, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said to him, oh, no, Father Abraham, verse 30, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Verse 31 Abraham speaking, he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Now, there's a lot going on, a lot of details, and I'm not going to get in a theological debate about the state of the dead and why the rich man's in hell talking to Abraham in heaven with Lazarus and what is the meaning of all of this. The details are only there to enhance and emphasize the message that Jesus wants to talk to us about. And the question I want to ask you is, 
were you the good kid or were you the bad kid? You know what I'm talking about. Were you the good kid or were you the bad kid? So turn to your neighbor right now and confess which one you were. Were you the good kid or the bad kid? I know there's a lot of baddies out there, so be honest. All right, all right. Jonathan Coker took us on a journey of two brothers, and I will tell you that this is a reflection of a similar story. This is a reflection of the similar story. You see, there are two people here, and I'm going to say, first of all, that I was the good kid, and not by any virtue of myself. I'm not up here tooting my horn. I was not good because I was innately good. I was good because I had an older sister, about 10 years older than me, that was a baddie all the time. Every time my parents asked her to do something, she would do the opposite. Lots and lots of grief. And I got to be careful because my parents are here. So, yeah, <laughs> you, they could tell you the midnight oil they burned on their knees every night because of my sister's decision making. And I, I remember, you know, we used to call it the world tour. You know, my sister used to get grabbed by the scruff and get spanked around the house. My mom used to take her to the bathroom and then the other bathroom and then the kitchen and then the, the, the dining room and all the, you know, just beating her. And I, I used to ask her, like, what is the point of your life getting beat every day for the bad decisions you're making? She was constantly causing trouble. And so I saw her as a young kid and I said, yeah, I'm not about getting spanked. I'm just not going to do it. I don't want to get beat. And I remember a time when my mom and I and my sister went to a grocery store. It was like Kroger's or something. And my sister decided to, you know, meander away. And I was like, yeah, that means trouble. She's going to go do something. And she did. She actually went and stole nail polish. Ridiculous. And of course, they saw her on camera. And so when she came back to us, the manager came and he was like, excuse me, <laughs> ma'am. I think your daughter might have stolen some nail polish. And, you know, he was, he was being very polite, and I'm sure he was thinking, you know, I don't know what kind of mom this is, because some moms be like, my daughter would never. And then some would be like, you know, but my mom's a G, like a real G. So she was like, did you steal? And my sister was like, no. And my mom yanked my sister's purse out of my sister's hands, dramatically unzipped it and dumped it out in the middle of the store in front of everybody. I knew I didn't raise you to steal. And out came the nail polish. And the manager is there watching this. My mom, the G, and he was like, you know, it looks like you got everything under control. I don't think I got the nail polish, you got the kids. We're even. And he walked away and my mom began to tell my sister, listen, the choices that you're making the things that you're getting involved with, because my sister was doing a lot of stuff, and I know because I read her diary. <laughs> and I told, <laughs> I don't, don't at me. I told my mom, like, listen, <laughs> you don't want to know what I know, right? You don't want to know what I know, so let's exchange some stuff, you know? But my mom said, look, the decisions that you're making are going to lead you to bad jobs on the street with a needle hanging out of your arm and dogs licking the sores off your feet. You are just a couple decisions away from a Dr. Phil episode. 
and you choose the actions, you choose the consequences. And my mom wanted to solidify that so bad, she took my sister and put her in jail for a few hours. Learn your lesson. And this, this is the context to which the story applies. Because growing up and seeing that, I started to believe that I was better than my sister. I was well behaved, I did everything right. And when you do everything right, you get good grades, you follow along, good things happen to you. So when the hearers are listening to Jesus' story, they're waiting for the right outcome. Why is the rich man in hell? And why is Lazarus, you know, the guy who made a bunch of bad decisions with a needle hanging out of his arms and the dogs licking the source? Why do you think dogs are licking the source out of his feet? If you are in your sound mind, there ain't no way dogs are licking sores off your feet. He was not all there. Yet he ends up in heaven and the hearers are like, this is not what I've been told. Because if I do all the right things, I'm going to end up like the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the tax collectors with great jobs, good benefits, and a great retirement. But this is not the outcome that Jesus shows them. And I'm going to tell you, even though I was a little bit like looking down on my sister, I wasn't a bad person. And Lazarus is not being mistreated by the rich man. There is a lesson here, deep, deep, deep lesson for us. And I hope your heart is open to seeing this because it changed my life. You see, the rich man is a good guy. He's not a bad guy, and you know that he knows that about himself because while he's in hell, he's calling out for favors. Excuse me, Abraham, you know. Let me tell you something. It says that at his gate was laid a beggar. So that means that Lazarus was living on the rich man's property. He had an estate. He was filthy rich. He was famous. And, you know, famous people with a lot of money have gates because they're not letting anybody just drive up. And Lazarus was living on his property. So every time someone came through the gate to go visit the rich man, they would see Lazarus there. Just, just, just picture that in your mind a little bit. Imagine, I don't know, Kylie Jenner. We all know who Kylie Jenner, you know she has a gate. Come on. She's not just allowing anybody to drive up there. She has a gate. Just imagine if she had a homeless woman living at the corner of her property. And every time somebody would come for her party, they would see this homeless person there. I can imagine that after the parties that Kylie would have, the steaks and the champagne would go to this homeless person. Maybe her, she would take Stormy and they would just walk and, and bring her their takeout. Showing her daughter how to be nice to people. This is important. Can you imagine the news headlines and the YouTube videos made off of Kylie's life if that was the case? What kind of progressive generosity is that? I don't know one rich person with a homeless person living at their gate. But this was the rich man's life. This guy was eating from his table. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And let me tell you, if Kylie were to have a homeless lady 
at the end of her street, or the end of her gate, people would be blown away by that generosity. They would be like, wow, how progressive is that? Do you know how hard it is to be a homeless person in LA County? Listen, it's really hard. People be removing your tents, telling you you can't park and sleep there. It's difficult, it's a hard, homeless life in LA County. And if somebody were to open up their gate and say, you can stay here, you're safe here, I will give you the food from our table, sign me up, man. Sign me up. But it wasn't enough. I'll tell you why. Because the culture of that day, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, even the disciples, it was like, oh, what did you do to end up on the street? Come on, you've seen the homeless people. I've talked with them too. How did you end up here? A lot of the decisions they've made got them where they were. You need to go to rehab. You need to fix your life before you can, you know, come closer to me. Lazarus was at the rich man's gate. He was close enough so people could see the rich man's progressive generosity, but far enough so that Lazarus didn't impede on the luxury of his time, space, and lifestyle. Close enough so everybody could see, wow, look at the rich man going out to the homeless shelters, giving food to the poor, visiting the women's shelters. He's even got a homeless man. I want a homeless man too. But far enough, you stay right there and you fix it yourself. And that is not close enough for Jesus. It's not. I'll tell you why. Another clue in this story. When the rich man is speaking to, to Abraham and he wants something because he knows, I have given Lazarus my scraps. I have been there for him. Just, just cool the tip of my tongue with some water. Abraham's like, no. A great chasm has been fixed between us. You know who created that chasm? The rich man. Jesus just fixed it. And when I mean fix it, he didn't mend it. He cemented it. A great chasm hasn't been fixed, and he's comforted by my side. And you can see that the rich man still doesn't get it. And lesson number one of this story is that now is the time to get it. Now is the time. Jesus is trying to tell them that now is the time to understand. Because once you cross over, it's too late. The chasm that you created, Jesus will fix in place. And the people of that day looked down on people that were different than them. And when I say look down on them, I didn't mean like, oh, you can't sit with us. You're too far away. They didn't look at them as close. The clue is when the rich man said, send Lazarus to my brothers and I have five brothers. Correction, he had six. Lazarus was put in his life to be his brother, to have a seat at his table. 
and he didn't let him in. He was at his gate, but not at his table. And we love to minister to people, but we don't want to let them at our table. Do you hear what I am telling you? It doesn't matter where you stand, on which side. The chasm will be fixed, and now is the time. There are people in your life that need a seat at your table. And God has put them in your life. And you think, oh, they're in my life, you know, so I can go out and find them, the lost coin, the lost sheep. But the story flips on its head. Because Lazarus was saved. The rich man wasn't. So Lazarus was supposed to help save the rich man. If the rich man would let him in, we think that we're out here saving these people. These people are our salvation. We think that, oh, I need to help you. No, they are helping us. And the rich man was lost and he didn't know it. He was the second son. When that guy left and did all of his crazy stuff, yeah, Yeah, go, prodigal son, go. You ain't my brother anymore. You don't belong in this house. Why are you welcoming him? Why are you welcoming him back? He's not my brother anymore. He doesn't deserve a seat at this table. But Jesus says he does. And you are not out there looking for him with me. You're too busy building your life, your lifestyle, and all of the things that come with it. close enough so that people can see our progressive generosity, but far enough so that they don't make us feel uncomfortable, so that they don't impede on our luxury of time, space, and lifestyle. And it's interesting, because you know that the rich man doesn't understand, because he reaches out to Abraham and he says, Father Abraham, of course, Traditional, Father Abraham. But I'm going to tell you something. Abraham is not mentioned in the story to be a father. He's mentioned in the story to be a brother. He's there to comfort Lazarus because he didn't receive it on earth. He had to wait till eternity to have a brother. And you can see that he doesn't understand it because he's calling him father. Because I'm telling you, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they didn't, they weren't evil people. I mean, they were, but they weren't, they weren't evil people. They looked at people like, my son, you need to fix your life. They looked at people like they were below them, not with them. And Abraham is treating Lazarus like a brother. You know how I know that? Because that is how he treated Lot. Lot was put in his life, and Abraham never looked down on him. He never said, you can't sit with me. You're not being blessed like I'm being blessed. You don't deserve a seat at my table. He understood that Lot was put into his life not to be below him, but to be beside him. And he got it while he could. The second point is, Who are the Lazaruses in your life? Who are they? And you can say, well, April, I don't want to be led astray by all the, you know, I'm not saying that you have to be BFFs with them, but I'm saying that life is messy and sometimes you have to walk with people. It's easy to just say, fix it, bye. 
the people that are put in our life. Jesus wants more from us than just our progressive generosity. He doesn't want the world to say, yay, what a great job, you're so kind. Your reward may not even be here. And that's okay. That's okay. The lesson that Jesus wants you to learn from this story is that now is the time to treat the people in your life equal. No matter where they stand, no matter who they are, what banner they fly, whatever they are, they are in your life to love. And it's going to take your energy, your time, and your resources. It's not a matter of what I want to do and what I don't want to do. It is a matter of salvation because I will tell you this, and this is my last point. The way we treat them is the way we treat God himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I don't want that great chasm between me and my brothers or my sisters. You have come to set us free that we may love each other freely. Let us love each other freely. Let us put aside our selfish lifestyle, our selfish me, 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 and think about the other, lifting them up, loving them the way you would. Let us not wait till it's too late to call them by their name, brother and sister, and give them a seat at our table. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what a month and what a message to finish on. This has been one of the greatest sermons I have ever heard on the rich man and Lazarus. And I love how April just told us like it is. Time to get it is now. Once you cross over to the other side, it's too late. And to pointedly ask the question, who are the Lazari in our lives? Who's at your gate that needs to have a seat at your table? And the way that we treat Lazarus is the way that we treat God himself. I encourage you as we wrap up this month of prayer and begin 2022 together. You would ask God who the Lazarus is in your life. Who's at your gate right now that needs to be at your table? That you might be transformed by the love of God to bring others to your table. To always make room for one more. Wherever you are today, this week, this month, pray that you find some time to get alone with Jesus and to seek him And may there always be room for one more at your table. Thanks for listening to this episode of Elevate Retake.